0: I'm Jessica Cole. I'm Fulu. Lu. And this is Effing Shakespeare Shorts. Hey gang, it's the Effing Shakespeare virtual book tour edition that we're calling Effing Shakespeare Shorts. We're talking with authors who have books out right now, right this second, when it's very hard to be out in the world with a new book, because we can't actually be out in the world unless you are trying to get your acrylic nails fixed or your haircut i guess in certain states anyway we wanted to give authors a platform to make up for the ones they're missing out on a literary terra firma so to speak that being said our guest today esther lee is used to being without terra firma at all she and her artist husband michael and their cat bowie live and work on a 35 foot sailboat Esther Hales from the American South and she's the author of the chat book Blank Missives from Trafficker Press and her debut poetry collection Spit, which received the Elixir Press Poetry Prize and Pushcart Prize nominations. Her writing and collaborations with visual artists have appeared in multiple literary magazines and anthologies. You can read more about her mischief at esterlee.io and wayfindersnow.com. Her second poetry collection, Sacrificial Metal, is Hot off the Press, literally published the 25th of March of this year, and was selected for the Minds on Fire Book Prize by her publisher, Conduit Books, and Ephemera. These poems offer a meditation through the lens of dance and human movement about the quiet dignities and alienation of illness, caregiving, and living in a racialized body. None of this is relevant for these times. (laughs) Part documentary poetics, part morning diary, part textual choreography, and part nautical inspired elegy. The poems in sacrificial metal serve as inquiries about how we may become socialized or exiled from a community, along with how movement and dance offer possibilities of interconnectedness with one's own body and a sense of collective identity. She's had some really lovely blurbs, some of the best written blurbs I've ever read. I'm so eager to hear some of Esther's poems live and have a conversation. So, Esther, welcome to the show yay this is gonna be so fun (laughs) Jessica and Fu thank you for having me and for
1: making this space for those of us who (laughs) happen to have books coming out this past month this is really special thank you
0: you're so welcome and thanks so much for for coming on we've talked a little bit about this already but where are you talking to us from and what does the world look like from where you are
1: well, my husband and I, like you mentioned, we're we're living on a 35-foot sailboat named Hope, and we're in Jacksonville, Florida now. We've been here about a little over a year, and we had been living in Georgia when we first got the boat a couple years ago, and we had sold our condo, moved onto the boat, learned a little bit more about what living on a boat and sailing is like, and then we moved the boat down a year ago to Jacksonville. So... Yeah, come on down if you want to go to a beach. Apparently, they're all they're all open here in Florida, so. <laughs> or at least some places in Florida in Jacksonville. So,
0: and can I ask, is lockdown on a boat all that different from regular life living on a boat? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're sort of locked down in general, right?
1: Yeah, you know, we've had a lot of friends ask about that, and mm-hmm. I don't know if I have a good answer. I've been thinking about it. Like, there are some things. I feel like it's more of a psychological trip where certainly my husband and I we really enjoy silence and solitude for sure. Mm-hmm. But I'm a little bit we're both introverted, but but I'm a, I'm actually kind of fall along the lines apparently in the middle. And sometimes like moments like these like really kind of highlight that because i I do need it's a little bit more interaction with humanity I long for that so so yeah it's it's been it's been a little bit it's been a little bit hard yeah (laughs) I think for all of us but yeah so I think I think the boat kind of serves as this like literal and physical reminder of like oh what what this quarantine stuff feels like for really everyone you know
0: yeah i almost wonder if you this is the power of poetry right like if you possibly it's all your fault coronavirus because some of the poems in your collection the ones where you know i felt very much where i was on the boat with you sort of imagined this moment in some ways which of course it's not your fault and you did not it's all the asians <laughs> faults. exactly what well, was that true it's the fault of all the asians Right. oh i know right it's a fact yeah it's true
1: yep. oh boy yep. yeah i feel like that's an snl skit waiting to happen like a, it is. It is. punchline right I, I could talk a long time about that but yeah and that's a separate podcast
0: between us <laughs>
1: <laughs> Seriously. but yeah i just feel like the i don't know i some of the obsessions I guess or and themes in the book I've, I've been thinking about it in light of what's going on like wow it's kind of s- strange that yes you know there's a lot of emphasis on touch and yes. how to define that and yes. and especially in light of when the receiver or the recipient is you know has physical or cognitive stuff going on and right. just the complexity of that so it's like I think the larger question I'm was trying to ask is like when you're like when you're trying to connect with someone or show compassion, like how we define that? Because oftentimes, at least for me, it's like it's often, you know, you get some kind of signal back, like, oh, I really love that or I enjoyed that. You know, it could be that literal, but when you don't get that like how does that necessarily change the implications
0: of that act or gesture yes. so that
1: i don't know that was made
0: that made me really curious about it it is really, I mean, it's almost eerie reading your poetry like during this time. And this is certainly, I mean, if people are wanting to have beautiful language and all of the, the energy of, of this in- inquisitive and inquiring mind around a lot of the things that we are dealing with right now, and I'm sure it would be moving and important at any time, but there is something really I don't know. I, I felt incredibly healing and evocative about reading your poems during just, this time of, of physical distancing.
1: I appreciate that because, especially, like so many of the poems were written through and during a time of just really some some difficulty, like personal stuff. But also, my my mom has Alzheimer's and vascular dementia, so that's alluded to sometimes more explicitly in some of the poems. But but yeah, and, and when I'm thinking about this pandemic we're going through, I I hadn't, I didn't foresee this happening, but a lot of the reactions I've received from friends or strangers who've read the book, I was, I've been really surprised by how many people are like, oh my God, like uh, they've shared their stories about just the fr- fragility of like their own bodies or their loved ones, mm-hmm. like different illnesses. And I, some, some of those people folks like our friends, and I didn't even know like, oh, your husband was suffering from this or another loved one. So people were sharing that. And I didn't even, to be honest, I was in such a tunnel writing these poems and thinking about my mom's condition. I hadn't thought about the broader like, yeah, implications. So that, that's that been really... I
0: mean, that's the magic of, of really good poetry, though. You know, like, I, even if you hadn't been in a tunnel, sometimes it takes these kinds of poems and the kind of vulnerability and, and, and thoughtfulness around, you know, language and image to sort of unlock those parts of, uh, of other people. I mean, that's why we read poems, right? I mean, that just, they might not not have shared anyway until they read your poems and, and finally had had language and felt like they were being, their own feelings were being described on the page.
1: Yeah. That's, I think that's my biggest hope. It's like, one of my dearest friends after reading the poems, you know, I think I made some self deprecating joke, like, Oh my god, these are so depressing or whatever. All everything I write is so hard and depressing or whatever. And she she had read the poems and wrote me afterwards and said something along the lines of like, Thank you for making beauty out of, you know, something painful. Mm-hmm. And I was just like what I did that. And she, she's like, Oh my, absolutely. She's like, this is so beautiful. And it's, it's out. Al- it's alchemy. Yeah. I just was so, I mean, that's what friends do. Right. <laughs> but, yeah. no, I, but I trust her opinion as well. So I was like, I trust and respect her so much and that's got to apply. Even when she's talking about my own work, it's like, Oh man, that's, it was, it was really humbling and sweet.
0: Uh, Esther, do you mind reading a couple of them for us yes. right now?
1: <laughs> sure. Laba Notation 9. You, a mammal, hired then fired from a fact-checking department, caught writing a letter to your perpetrator. It's all about the now, you say, calendar on the wall stopped at October. Maybe you are tired of escapes, but what you wouldn't do to see what you never see in reverse, skyward rain teacup reassembling and jumping back onto the counter weight of the earth not killing which you think means a living system pre-adapted an arrow ceasing to exist so gorgeous if I can read another one I'll read one that has it's a little bit more um overt about some of the things we talked about mm-hmm. and lava notation 18. To her doctor, she says, not in Korean, but in English, the sky's the limit. You've never heard your mother say this idiom of good luck and promise. She mentions nothing else, nothing about never having had this nor that. Pointing to Tyler, who works the front desk, his handlebar mustache, she says, You are handsome, but you'd be more handsome without that. You ought to remember with boundless potential. Behaviors are an expression of need. There is no limit. Like her, you reach out over strained passages. Now the waiting to find out what happened is over. What you'd like to give her feels slightly impossible. Day one, your voices distilled in water, the sky without limit, anchor
0: as a verb. That's one of my favorites. That one and number thirteen, actually, I just adore thirteen.
1: Oh yeah? Um, yeah, I love hearing like what resonates more with people. Oh, okay. oh yeah. yeah,
0: cool. I mean, it's the dance. I mean, how, like, talking about you know how poets see the world. Well, let's let's talk about caretaking and and grief and illness and and. With an admixture <laughs> of dance, you know?
1: Yeah. It's like, I love it. Yeah. It's like a mishmash that somehow, yeah, it's like exists in my brain. Together.
0: It's so cool. <laughs> so cool. And I'd, yeah, I'd never heard of, I can't think of his first name, Laban. Is it Rudolph? No?
1: Yes. I had neither. A, a student of mine several years ago, we just had this conversation and she brought him up and she's a dance minor. And... I think the timing when someone introduces something to you that's new yes. and it just, I couldn't stop thinking about this dancer. He's a dancer and dance theorist and he mm-hmm. created one of the earlier like dance notation systems. And so, of course, as a non-dancer, I was thinking like, how the hell do you, how does, how does one notate dance and and really human movement, like how, mm-hmm. how people move through space. So yeah, and and I've had a little bit of a joke where sometimes some during a certain moment I'll think to myself, oh, if aliens were watching us now, like what would they be thinking? Like just trying to think look at something very objectively and how mm-hmm. human beings are moving through a space. So I think I already had that inclination to to pay attention in that way. But when the student brought up Rudolf Laban, I was just so captivated.
0: so neat. And the word lab annotation is just such an amazing word (laughs) because it has lab in there and and his name, obviously, and notate. It's just so cool. Well, thank you. And I'm a dancer and I've never heard of it. So I thought that was really neat. Oh, you are? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, cool. We'll have to talk. I want to talk to you about more about that because I've,
1: I had the great you know fortune to connect with different dancers and Mm -hmm. I'm in such awe of dancers I I think dance is one of the the artistic forms that I when I see a performer I just it's very rare I don't break down into tears I just there's something that's just so just this pure distillation or something I just feel it so immediately Um, Mm -hmm. it's very powerful
0: it's probably the thing that's Possibly most like poetry. I mean, I know music is also because of the rhythm of of speech that's so emphasized often in poetry or, or laid bare. It's always there, but revealed. So did but you think- have a background in dance first or, or did they kind of come... Well, I started dancing when I was four, so I dance came first, but I just, and I love reading about dance also. Like, I don't know if you've read Zadie Smith's Swing Time, but it's yes. um, so, it just makes me so happy, that book. I, I think it's a good book anyway, but I think Because it's about dance, it's it's just—it's like—it's just amazing to me, amazing to me what she does with dance in that book. Seriously, Um, so masterful. And so, how were you thinking about how dance functioned in your collection?
1: I I think at first I was like delving into a lot of like kind of more intellectual research, but then I started connecting with dancers. I I collaborated with a dancer in New York too, virtually, mm -hmm. and we ended up creating a couple pieces where she improvised on video was so beautiful. I was so in awe that she was willing to do that. And we displayed those pieces with some of the poems. So we were trying to, you know, respond to each other and I'd never, I've collaborated, but not in that way before. So that was kind of the opening for what would turn into all these, these series of poems and this book. But, yeah, I I have a little bit of, ex- just a teeny bit of experience in dance. And like I said, I'm a, I'm, if anything, I'm such a huge admirer of the art form. So mm-hmm. that coupled with, like, okay, seeing very visceral kind of transformation of my mom's physical and cognitive condition and decline. Yes. And then, to be honest, like, a few years ago, I was going through some physical stuff, too. Like, it was due to chronic stress in my former Mm -hmm. career as as in teaching Mm -hmm. and so I had never experienced that kind of magnitude of like wow my body is just screaming at me to something's got to change so that was super humbling and alarming like just going to all these doctor's appointments and they didn't understand what's happening and you know I was passing out and all. so I was just like wow okay you know here I am I thought seemingly pretty healthy. And yet, you know, these things that we internalize, like we all know, of course, like the things that we internalize for better, or for worse, can have a direct uh, correlation to how our body feels. Yes. But I think that was the biggest lesson in my life where I saw that happening. And it really compelled me to make a change for the better. And And actually led to the this life yet on our boat. So yeah, oh that's so neat.
0: Oh that's so cool. Yeah, I love the line in number thirteen: "Geometry shapes you into compliance," and that seems to me applicable both to being molded into a dancer and this sort of grown woman in sensible heels that you have in the poem.
1: No, I appreciate that. Because I was thinking about like a dancer's body. I mean, as a, a fan and admirer of dance, I was thinking, oh, I get to, you know, luxuriously kind of appreciate a performance. But I think through thinking about dance more and, and talking with dancers more, I started to appreciate like, oh my gosh, like what what does their body go through in, to give us that that art, you know? and right. And it reminds me of a friend who... She was talking about pregnancy in that way too, like how tr- kind of God, like, so traumatic, true. yeah. That's how how, so yeah. And of course, at the end, you know, the, the outcome is incredible and miraculous and beautiful. But just to get there, like I, she was arguing, like I don't think we talk enough about like really truly how traumatic pregnancy can be on a woman's body, and it can be lifelong after mm-hmm. that too for some mm-hmm. for many women.
0: Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Well, I never thought of connecting. Dance training in pregnancy, but it's so true. <laughs> I'm like, yes, you get transcendence at the end, but whoa, and you know the dirty diapers, but <laughs>
1: yeah, that, that, that really sacrifice it. and kind of that legacy on your body, and I just, I just find that really fascinating. And you mentioned the title, so that yeah, makes, yeah, I was just thinking back to the title, which. Maybe maybe most people know about that.
0: I didn't know anything I about. I did not. Terms. No, I googled it because I thought, no, of course. I mean, that's there's such gorgeous words, but that's got to be something. And then, right to find out that it's a metal that corrodes first to protect another metal from rusting. I mean, that's that's so underscores what you were just talking about in terms of 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 bodies working to. Stay healthy or reach transcendence or produce something artistic or, and yeah, but what is, what's, what's a sacrifice to, to get there? It's, it's such a cool title. Let me ask you how you found your way to conduit.
1: You know, I think a friend of mine who's an amazing poet, she introduced me to their lit mags. And so I've been oh. following since then, but yeah, on a I just happened to enter their competition and just yeah I feel very very lucky to be working with them in there and that the book came out with them I
0: oh so you were you won a competition that's yes they started their book
1: publishing branch like two was it two years ago and I think they have two annual
0: competitions I believe that's so neat all right well we're trying to end with what's giving you hope or laughter or distraction these days I guess hope is your boat so you (laughs) we didn't even
1: name the boat she was already named then we just we kept it and my husband and I were pretty dark humored but we're like you know that kind of that kind of works because I think we need some some of that so yeah we we just kept her name what's giving me Joy, I would say, just some of the funny things that people are doing and sharing online. Yeah, I don't. I mean, it could be like those uh, Getty's museum. You know, the rec- recreating different artwork mm-hmm. that's online. Like, I think they're so creative and hilarious and fun. And yes. I've actually reached out to family and friends to start trying it ourselves. Oh, neat. And- yeah, and I was just like, oh, you could do this with anybody. You could do this with your students. You could do this with your my seven, eight-year-old niece and nephew. So I I think it's awesome. And, of course, the underlying thing is, like, it promotes the arts. So that's, you know, that's always right. good. <laughs> right? Yeah, so that's one, one of the many things. And then another thing right now has been, like, live cams on different like you know moon jellyfish or there's something about that when we're all needing to kind of socially distance it's like even more powerful right now just to watch you know these cr- beautiful creatures doing their thing and ha- being happily like oblivious to what's happening thankfully <laughs> <I agree.
0: laughs> no the jellyfish so, um... do not seem stressed so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so calming <laughs> So lovely. It was such, so, so great to connect with you and and, and know your poems and, and know you. Thank you so okay. much, Esther. Yeah, this has been so fun. I hope we can stay oh, in touch. Yeah. yeah. I hope so too. Yeah. Effing Shakespeare Shorts is a production of Bloomsday Media, hosted by Kate Martin-Williams and Jessica Cole, and me, Fu Lu. Production assistance by Lily Wolfmeyer.
1: Countdown engines on. Detach from station and may God's love be with you. This is ground control to Major Tom.